competing at a combined weight of 405 pounds. They are the reigning, defending, undisputed racing dudes, triple crown champions of the world, the What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Master Show. I mean, this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 456. Mr. Samich. Huzzah! I'm not feeling Jason, I'm not getting a big huzzah right now. No, Mike's a little under the weather. We'll uh we'll, we'll take the Mike's not gonna be as, as animated. Well, he's not ever as animated as I am, but a little less in. That's okay. We are not any less excited about Keeneland, though. Opening day is tomorrow if you're watching us live or listening on Thursday. It opens on Friday, April 7th. We got the Ashland States highlighting. That big day, but it's a big weekend, and this Keeneland card, Mike, uh, it's pretty awesome. I mean, you've got, other than one race we're going to cover in this sequence, you've got a lot of horses and a lot of races with a lot of big chances. So, exciting race and lots of prices we can pick up. Yeah, this is a, this is a fun card here today. Fun card tomorrow, too. I mean, I don't think you can, you can really... This is definitely the marquee card of the weekend, but you can't overlook the Friday card at Keelan either. Great job filling out all 10 of those races. Don't forget, Keelan has the $1.15% uh, takeout pick six as well. So this is a fun pick six to play. Usually pays out pretty well. You'll see lots of carries over for the meet. So that's another good sequence you could play over there at Keeneland. And we get the turf uh, pick three back, which completely messes with our software on the back end, but it's a fun bet to place from a day-to-day -day perspective. Yeah, the what was it three dollar turf pick three? Is it three dollars? Last three turf races of the day every day. Yeah, I, there it is. Nick, I was waiting for him too. He hadn't said it yet. Nick Feldman, a huge fan of that ever since it came out. But uh, yeah, let's get the party started. Speaking of parties, want to give a special happy birthday shout out to this guy right here, Dennis Trusty. He's got five million billion things to do, and yet he's spending his birthday with the Magic Mike show. We don't even do that on our birthdays, Mike. We usually take that day off when it's our birthday. Dennis is here though, so uh, good to see you in the chat, buddy. Um, he uh, he wanted he had Shadi make a special uh, wrestling related video for him, and I'm trying to figure out how to download it because she sent it to me. But we'll figure if I can get it up, figured out before the show ends, I'll play it for you. It's pretty great. But uh, yeah, like like Ed says, we it's betting Nirvana. You've got three Derby preps this weekend: the Bluegrass at Keeneland, the, the Wood Memorial at Aqueduct, the Sandy the Derby. Keeneland's running opening day and opening weekend, of course the Masters. So got all that going. Have you been able to watch much Masters? I know Thursdays are pretty busy for us. Uh, a little bit in and out. Um, I have a Hovland ticket at 35 to one to be the first round leader. So I, that's caused me a little bit of a sweat here since he's seven under in the clubhouse with the lead right now. It actually is tied for the lead uh, at seven under with Rom. So I, I have to kind of sweat out everyone else. It doesn't look like anyone's going to get close. Sam Burns really the biggest threat there. I guess Jordan Spieth too, both sitting at four under after through 10 and 11. Uh, but now it's just how many times it gets chopped up because that 35 to one becomes 17 and a half to one with a one push. If it could get chopped again, if it goes three ways. So sweating Hovland a little bit. Nice to have him on the board and in the, in the clubhouse at the lead. But other than that, I haven't been able to catch too much of it. Last I looked, uh, my, what was my, my master's best bet was Matsuyama top 20. Uh, he's looking good so far. I know it's day one, but he's sitting right. Last I saw he was tied for 12th. That's exactly where he needs to be. It's like betting horse to show that you can rely on to show up with a great effort. So uh, got to love that one. Uh, but yeah, we've got Keeneland. It's a big sequence. Uh, this is not the late pick five, which we usually do. This is the all stakes pick five races five through nine. They carded two more after the bluegrass. So all stakes pick five, still the 50 cent minimum, all the usual blah, blah, blah uh, for Keeneland. But it, it's a lot. And I think I haven't looked at your ticket. I can already tell we're probably going to have some disagreement. You ready to get into it? 
Yeah, yeah. I think we're going to take shots in different places, which is kind of interesting because I, I, I'm taking a shot against one of the horses that you like using her, but I'm going to go four deep there, including a 20 to one shot. And you're taking some shots at, at horses that I, you're leaving off one of my horses. I'm surprised. Yeah, it'll be fun. If you're in the chat, the live chat, we'd love to hear your opinions. Let's get into it, buddy. Rise up. shout out here from jeffrey halverson in chat loved your picks last week at Gulfstream Links. so let's see if we can keep that going in, in the uh the summer bombs all weekend long but let's start things off here the late sorry i see i already did it i already screwed it up the all stakes pick five first leg at keeneland on saturday april 8th race five the grade three commonwealth stakes 10 older males sprinting seven furlongs on the dirt where are you going on top oh boy this is a fun one give me run classic the seven horse um this is one of those races where I think you could see a, a big time price come in, but I am going to put Run Classic on top. I keep going back to that that seven furlong effort on October sixteenth, two thousand twenty two at Keeneland. Run Classic sat right behind the leaders, able to absolutely blow them out one by eight. Got a one hundred five buyer, career best there. Kind of think this horse might be better around one turn than two. Uh, the only one turn efforts that made debut on the maiden uh, maiden effort comes in second. Wins off the bench going six furlongs at Churchill, then wins going seven furlongs at Keeneland. Everything else around two turns. So horse is probably the fastest in the field, but also the most fit in the field. So I think this distance is going to set up well for Run Classic. I think good shot taking this field gate to wire here. I know you're not a big fan, though. You're also I don't know if you singled elsewhere, considered singling elsewhere. Where did you end up on top here? Um, so I will say, uh, I did single here. This is my second horse. If uh, run classic, if you, if you get the, by the way, we have the uh, blue stakes betting buy will be available uh, on Friday. You can get that racing dudes.com. And in that you've got top four con- uh, picks from every handicapper for every race at Keeneland. Um, and so for this, uh, you'll, if you see under magic's picks, he's got run classic there in second. Uh, oh boy, must be a, have a delivery here. Uh, no, I've got Run Classic uh, in second, but my single here, I'm going with the two Nakatomi. I know he's the chalk here at two to one, but of course he's a perfect three for three at Keeneland. Got it made in stakes wins at age two. Came back on Breeders' Cup Saturday undercard to beat older horses last year as a three-year-old. Runner-up was endorsed. You know how much I loved endorsed at Gulfstream Park during the championship meet. He went on that nice tear down there. Wesley Ward and Tyler Gaffleone. Uh, overall, 36% winners with 245 ROI. Two for four at Keeneland. Both of those wins came aboard this horse. He's going to be second off the layoff, second start at age four. Uh, two back in the grade one Malibu. He came within a length of second uh, of winning that. Obviously, table was, was long gone in that spot. But but Nakatomi, to me, I think is a great play. So both the 50 cent, and I have I pulled a Mike sandwich. I got a $5 ticket. I'm singling Nakatomi in both. Uh, I don't hate it. I got Nakatomi in second. Uh, I do think that there's some chaos possible in this race. And that is why I'm going to take a 20 to one shot here in the, as my third horse, the five horse long and there Thomas Drury Castellano picks up the mount. If you isolate the dirt races for this horse, it gets a lot more interesting, a lot more quickly here, continuing to improve, continuing to improve. I love their last race at Churchill going a mile to it's too bad, but last race of that three-year-old season, it's a career best buyer, able to do it from off of the pace. Ben Diesel, classic moment, both in that race. Steps up. The synthetic just doesn't fit for this horse. I realize it's bred that it shouldn't have an issue with it. Same with the turf, but didn't run very well in the turf. Doesn't run very well in the synthetic. Now you're getting second off a layoff, second out as a four-year-old in a spot where the pace set up here 
if Nakatomi run class to go out quickly, it could set up for a price to come from off the pace. I think long and air is a live long shot here at 20 to one. So give me the five on my ticket as well. And then I'm going to include the nine horse as well. Hear me sing. So there's another one where, look, if I take out the synthetic efforts, those last three synthetic races, the races prior to it fit with the rest of this field. The horses run three times at Keeneland, one win, two seconds, three times at the distance, one win, one second. An improving five-year-old for a trainer that doesn't run very much, only 12 starts here in 2023, but three of those are wins. So the horse knows how to get to the winner's circle. Uh, a chard with specifically while riding this horse has ridden him six times. Two of those are wins. Two of those are seconds. I think Hear Me Sing has a shot here to pull an upset as well at 10 to 1. So I'm going to end up 40 here. I'm going to go with the 2, the 5, the 7, and the 9. See if we get a price to kick this thing off. Uh, the 5 Legionnaire is uh, uh, famously a half-brother. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Full brother. Full brother, I believe. Art collector. Is art collector by Into Mischief? Anyway, he's he's at least, at the very least, he's a half to uh, art collector, uh, winner of the grade one Pegasus. A horse that got better as he got older and who started to screw with Tommy Jury before moving on to Bill Mott. Um for me with Legionnaire, there's only one race I could point to where it works, but that is the race two back at Churchill. So uh, he had a little bit of a layoff. He went to synthetic uh, at Turfway where Tommy Drury is based in the wintertime, and now he's back on dirt. So if he comes back to about that 92 buyer that he got at Churchill last fall, I think he's a player in here. I just like Nakatomi too much. I really did. And and, and I had to try and take a couple of swings. Uh, but for me, I, I'm going to ride it ride or die with Nakatomi. He just he loves Keeneland. He's got a great jockey that wins consistently, uh, is, is either the leader or second in, in wins at Keeneland every meet in Tyler Gaffleon. So I'll ride with him. But uh, that's where my single is. We'll see if you end up singling uh, in a different spot. Did you have any interest at all in, in Hoist the Gold for Dallas Stewart? He's not in your top four here, but did, did you consider him at all? I looked at Hoist the Gold. Hoist the Gold has a winning problem. Uh, two for 17 in his lifetime, only one win in 2022 and 2023. That was one of my main issues here. And, it, you know, face Gunnate a couple times, Tahano Twist, Taba, Pioneer Medina. So there's some excuses there as to why he's not winning. But I, there's just not enough efforts there that make me go, oh, yeah, okay, this could definitely win this race. And the one that, that like, jumps out at you that, hey, this would probably win it, is the effort going seven furlongs at Keeneland in the Perryville. So I, I wouldn't talk anyone off hoist the gold who likes them. But for me, I'm looking for a horse that I feel like has a better shot at getting the their photo taken versus hitting the board here for playing pick fives. Uh, speaking of horses uh, getting their photo taken, uh, I don't understand it. There's a lot of love in the chat for long range toddy. Mm, maybe you can point back. I understand if you're looking at the grade two Phoenix stakes last fall here at Keeneland going six when he got beaten by just a neck. But A, that was only an 88 buyer. B, do you want Maniwa? Do you want Top Gunner? The horses that were all just sandwiched around him? I don't. So, uh, hey, you're getting 30 to 1 on him. I wouldn't touch him any higher than like fourth, maybe third on your exotics. It's for me, it's I don't want anything to do with him as far as wins goes because he doesn't want to win either. Yeah, I, I mean, I would rather look at like the eight pro Occident if I was looking for a long shot. 12 mm -hmm. to 1 is a horse that has a ton of upside, just a four year old son of Magladoro. So, definitely could continue to improve there. I, to me, there's just a lot of really interesting horses that you can project out improvement in this spot. So it's hard to end up on a horse like Long Range Toddy where I don't think we can really project anything. All right, Mike, let's move on. The second leg of the All-Stakes Pick 5 at Keeneland on Saturday, April 8th. Race 6 is the Grade 2 Appalachian Stakes, nine three-year-old fillies routing a mile on turf. The first of two turf races we'll talk about. Where'd you go on top? 
I kind of like the seven Pleasant Passage here. And this is where I think we're going to diverge, Magic. Uh, look, Pleasant Passage, I thought, ran really well at Saratoga on debut, able to get the job done, comes back at Baquedoc, and really inherits a slow pace. So that race I didn't think mm-hmm. was that great. But then you watch that Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf, the Phillies Turf, and I thought she ran really well there on this Keeneland Turf course, going a mile, was further back than she wanted, got shuffled even more, then angled out, and I thought was flying late and just kind of, Lost because the wire got there before she could. I don't think this is a group of world beaters when you go through here. I'm not a huge Cairo Consort fan, so that means I'm probably not a huge uh, Papaleo fan either. You got Be Your Best in here, I think really disappointed us more than anything else. Alpha Bella, another one of the contenders, not a horse I'm overly interested in. So I landed on Pleasant Passage here. This was the closest I came to singling in the sequence uh, was the seven Pleasant Passage here. Wow, that's... Uh... Sorry, I said wow because Chris knows how a long-range toddy beat Omaha Beach, whose two-year-olds are hitting the track in a matter of weeks. That I just felt old all of a sudden right there. That's crazy. Um, you're right. I did not use Pleasant Passage, and a huge reason is uh, I do not like her in this position. First off, the layoff. We haven't seen her in five months, right? The Breeders' Cup. That's how far away the Breeders' Cup was here at Keelan. She looked great, but I also felt with that race that you had some horses that were just sprinters in that race that just completely fell apart in the stretch. And she was kind of able to pick up the pieces. She's a good horse. She's a very good horse. I think she's got plenty of upside. I think this is a very, very tough spot for her to make her return for a trainer who is seven for 85 coming off of similar layoffs. And we're in a grade two race against several horses who are in form or who I think also have serious upside. So, uh, but you also nailed it. You're not a big Cairo Consort fan. That's my top pick. I feel like you, you got to pick one or the other and you kind of have to split those if you want to try having any kind of value here for me Cairo won two straight for tap at uh, Gulfstream Park super wide trip last time out did her absolutely no favors she's got in continuously improving speed figures these are the best connections in the sport right now Todd Pletcher Ira Ortiz Jr you're putting them on turf with a filly that Pletcher's gotten and has been as effusive with praise as he ever is with horses which isn't much but he's loved her Um, I'm gonna ride with Cairo consort on top and did you leave her off your ticket Cairo I did yeah Okay. Yeah. This is, yeah, we're definitely going to have, we're, we're each taking a a five to two, three to one co-favorite basically. And we're splitting it here. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't, I was not impressed with the three-year-old Phillies that were running at Gulfstream park over the champions meet. And that means that the two, three, and four are horses that I'm going to leave off here and try and get around those horses because those were some of the horses or those were a lot of the horses that were running well at Gulfstream park down there. You go back to Cairo Consort's effort. Yes, she was with Nathan Squires, right? And then came into the Todd Pletcher barn here as a three-year-old. But she got beat pretty good by Pleasant Passage. And I didn't think Pleasant Passage got a very good trip at all in that Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies turf. So to me, it was more of like, okay, I'm not going to use the two and the three. Who, By the way, I have third and fourth in the race. So it's not like I hate these horses in this spot. I just don't think this race came up nearly as tough as you did. Because if I'm lower on the two and the three, I don't think the five and the six can compete. The seven really stands out from that front. But I got to say, and we're both using this other horse. So I like the fact that we're both using this horse. I'm going too deep. I'm using the seven and the nine. Give me well into who has a very good shot at taking this field gate to wire. There's just not that much speed in this race. And if you look at the eight and the seven, who are your two other logical speed horses, both of them very much inherited the lead in the races where they tried to go or went gate to wire. The seven plus and passage at Aqueduct went slow while getting the lead. That's not her game. She doesn't want to be out front. Same with uh, Sabalenka, who 
last time out makes the lead, but does it in a 49 second half well into is going to clear from that outside post going to get over. And then it's going to be simply a question of whether or not she can hold them off and get the distance. I like the 10 to one price on her as much as I like anything else in this race. But I do think pleasant passage is when you almost, you have to include. That's why I ended up with that, that seven, nine combo to try and get through here. Uh, we agree on this one. This is my second horse as well. Well into, uh, and uh, man, what I did the handicap and looked at the odds. I went 10 to one. I was like, Oh, this is a great. So this is a, I went too deep on the $5 ticket in one leg and it was this one going three nines. So we both uh, feel very strongly about the nines chances. And, and I won't reiterate, you nailed all the great points there. Um, I did put Pilio, the two horse in my third uh, position here. Like Cairo Consort, really rough trip last out. She had to check off of heels midway through the first turn. Super wide. She still finished ahead of Cairo Consort. And yet, if I like Cairo Consort at 3-1, to one, I'm getting 6-1 to one on a horse that outfinished her and had just as rough of a trip as she did last time out. And that was her first start with Mark Cassie. First time uh, as a three-year-old. First time in North America in her first start after six months. I would feel better, a lot better, about her chances if Luis Saez hadn't ditched her for the six uh, be your best who neither of us are touching here. Uh, but she also lost her, rest, her last race in Ireland, Papilio. It was a Group 1 race that produced the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies Turf winner, Meditate. So she's got that going for her, and both wins overseas. Came against Open Company. She was able to beat males as well as females over there um, in lesser races. She wasn't in group competition there. But the fact that she came to America and despite that super rough trip was able to get second impressed me. But again, that comes down to me like in Cairo Consort. You didn't in this position. So I understand uh, why you left her off. And then the last one for, oh, sorry, do you want to go ahead? I, I would use Papilio over Cairo Consort here. So if I was going to go three deep, I would be two, seven, nine. I, I do think that Papilio has a chance to take a step forward here. Second time North America. That trip was brutal. You're dead on there. And the price delta between her and the three, I think, is, is pretty significant as well. Last one for me, number four, Heavenly Sunday. Uh, loving eight to one on a Brad Cox horse is going two turns here at Keeneland on the turf. She won two straight turf routes to start her career, including over this course in distance last October with flow in the saddle. Note that she was coming off of Lasix there as well. She was Lasix on for her debut win and then was off Lasix and still won just as impressively. Uh, that was it for her two-year-old season. She came back for one start so far as a three-year-old in the Swedish Chance Stakes. She was third, beaten by Cairo Consort. An Alpha Bella, who I am not using in here, but uh, I thought the Heavenly Sunday, you know, her first time facing graded competition in a, a very classy Philly, Cairo Consort. I thought she made a good, uh, good use of herself there, but I just think she's got a lot of upside here. She's by Candy Wright. She's out of a Giants Causeway mare, two for two at the distance, and again proven over Keeneland. I think there's a lot of potential. And when I saw eight to one here, I was like, I've got to put this Philly on. Did you? I know obviously she's not on your ticket. Did you like the four at all? This is kind of, I, I kind of grouped Heavenly Sunday in with the, the two Papilio and the three Cairo Consort. They were, the three of them were kind of making up my second or third, fourth and fifth spots. Um, I could see taking a shot with Heavenly Sunday over either of the two if you like the horse quite a bit. It, look, it's a logical spot to step forward. Brad Clock, Cox and Flangeroo very well at this meet. So there are reasons the four could get better. I, to me, it all goes back to the fact that if Pleasant Passage improves, it's going to be really tough because for the, <laughs> the two, three, or the four to be able to improve enough to be able to get to the seven, and that is what—that's why I like this. Is the beauty of horse racing, right? I see it a certain way, you see it another way. If I saw it your way, I would be using the two, three, four, and nine. I totally get why you're playing it in that sense. Whereas if you saw it my way, I'm sure like, yeah, no, you use the seven and you use the speed and you move along, right? It's it's a simple mm -hmm. fact of what do you think the seven's going to do off the layoff? Is it going to be a 
linear move or is the seven going to be able to improve because seven takes a step forward it's going to be tough for anyone but the nine to beat the seven if not the two three and four are all really interesting options and uh be your i'm sorry pleasant passage to seven horse sired by more than ready who also sired the queen of keeneland rushing fall who won this race as a three-year-old as well just had to give a little rushing fall shout out let's move on third leg of the late of the all stakes damn it pick five at keeneland on saturday april 8th Race seven, the grade one Madison, a whopping field of just five in here. And a huge reason, only five fillies and mares, older horses going seven furlongs on the dirt. The Breeders' Cup, Philly and Mare Sprint Champion, Goodnight Olive is back as a five-year-old. It's hard to believe as a five-year-old, she's only had seven career starts to date. But uh, it sounds like Chad Brown has said this is going to be the starting point for what he hopes is a routing year for her, targeting the distaff. And breeding why she might be able to handle it. She's got to handle this race first. Did you use her? Yeah, I did. I'm going to go 2DP. I did use her. I, I think she makes a ton of sense here. Look, the fact that Society and Yuri Guri both show up here sets up beautifully for Midnight Olive, who should try and sit right behind those two. If, Mid if Goodnight Olive gets involved in that early pace with Society and Yuri Guri, that's the way she loses this race. Uh, like this, I thought this was interesting because I have, I'm not scared of Yuri Guri at all. I don't think Yuri Guri can win. Society could, could upset Midnight Olive if Yuri Guri doesn't break or Society is able to get loose. But Mary Quite Contrary to me was actually the interesting one here. And I don't love the fact we've had, haven't had any success outside of Florida. But with the pace setup that I think could unfold, and that's Society and Yuri Guri going, Goodnight Olive sitting right behind, Mary Quite Contrary is going to have all kinds of pace to run into going the seven furlong distance. She's on her game right now, consistently winning. I didn't leave Goodnight Olive off because I, I, I think Goodnight Olive has a very good shot at winning here, but I'm going to go too deep and I'm going to use Mary Quite Contrary, see if we can get a little bit of an upset here at six to one. Boy, we did the same thing in this race, uh, just again with different horses. Uh, we both use Goodnight Olive. There's no reason not to. Uh, not only did she win the Breeders' Cup for the Sprint over this exact course and distance, two for two at Keeneland, four for four at the distance, yada, yada. Um, I did use Yugiri. I went looking at this race. I was like, there, there's got, how does Goodnight Olive lose? It's because someone gets loose. And if Yugiri gets loose, and I think that's the only thing they do with her is they just send her, send her, send her, and Flo probably sits off just a little bit with society. I think that this is a horse that's in form, right? She's got two wins um, coming from Oakland Park, going six furlongs. Big wins, should have no issue stretching out. I think that last time out in the carousel stakes, when she was pressured early, she showed that it, she doesn't need to just be out to a super easy lead. She had pretty birdie screwing with her. And when she was done with her, she just left her in the lurch. But the back-to-back one-minute, 10-second, six-furlong sprints at Oaklawn in slop, in mud, in, in bogs, I thought that was pretty great. My big concern was society, and you didn't use her either, but society is coming off of a race in the Breeders' Cup distaff that was pretty much a gun and burn. Like, she went out to the lead, she made it halfway, and she quit, and she quit hard. And there wasn't really any reason why she would quit that hard. Uh... If you look back three back, this, the Charlestown Oaks, Charlestown seven furlongs, that's two turns. It's a screwy track. I don't think you can really compare that race to other things. The Cotillion Parks, it plays super well to speed. She got an easy lead. Secret Oath was never to reel, never able to reel her in. So uh, that's why I passed the side. I did like Mary Quite Contrary in this spot. I thought that if you were going to use a horse, uh, you either go Yugiri or Mary Quite Contrary to get the job done. Uh, the fact that she's got six wins from seven stars, she's four for five at the distance. And by the way, that inside information stakes that she won last time out, uh, she beat obligatory. That was a race obligatory. It was like three to five, two to five, something like ridiculously low and never fired. This Philly fired, fired extremely well. Um, as far as the trainer change goes as well, she was with trainer Joseph Cantonese up until this point. Cantonese, by what I can understand, only has a Florida training license. 
He only ever, ever, ever races at Gulfstream Park. Suge McGahee's all over the place. So you send her to a trainer that you can trust, like Suge McGahee. You know, maybe he keeps her for the summer if things go well here. Maybe she goes back to Ken and Easy um, down at there. But I love the fact that when he shipped her up to Keelan and said, I need someone good to take care of her, he sent her to Suge. Yeah, and the Florida thing is a big issue, right? We've talked about this. Sometimes horses just don't fire off of Florida. The Florida Keeneland thing has actually been pretty solid in recent years. You see some of these horses that have been, had success at Gulfstream go up to Keeneland, have success at Keeneland as well. So I'm not as concerned about that. The, the trainer switch isn't wonderful. It should go for 13 when getting first-time horses. He doesn't get a lot of these horses first time. So that's obviously concern there. I think society is faster than Yuguri. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out early and who gets the lead. I think Flo is going to absolutely send as well. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens between the three and the four, how that sets up and where Goodnight Olive sits. If, if Goodnight Olive is involved in that or right off it. Uh, so I, I mean, this is an interesting five horse field. It's not a, it's one of those races where you're like, oh, you know, five horses, two to five, whatever. This is an interesting five horse field. Yeah, it's it, it, it's it's one of those things where you can see Goodnight Olive win by open lengths. You can see her not show up. Uh, I lost it. Where oh there it is Michael Myers makes an excellent point. Five year old mares sometimes just decide they don't want to go, and we've talked about that a lot. That the female horses, especially when they decide they're done, they just they're they're done. So we'll see what happens. Um, two to five. That is oof. Is she one to nine or is she one to five when she goes off? I think two to five is actually pretty fair. I mean, I, I, there's the problem is I think Yaguri takes some more money. I think that the society takes money. So I don't think I think that helps her price stay about where the morning line is. All right, Mike, the penultimate leg of the all stakes pick five at Keeneland on Saturday, April 8th, race eight, the grade two Shaker Town, 12 males, three and up, plus and also eligible sprinting five and a half furlongs on the turf. This is one of your favorite races of the entire calendar. So who is your top pick? Give me Artemis City Limits, the three yes. horse, uh, Mike Maker, Irad Ortiz. Look, the post position for this horse the last three races has been absolutely brutal. I don't think people make it enough about post position sometimes. If you go back and look where Artemis City Limits drew those three races, 13 out of 14 in the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint, 7 out of 9 in the Grade 2 Woodford, 11 of 11 in the Turf Sprint at Kentucky Downs. It is hard to be successful from those posts. Now we're flipping that around, drawing the three posts, I think Artemis City Limits, this is all systems go. This horse is fast enough to take the field gate to wire, talented enough to be able to sit in second or third if need be and be able to make a run on the inside. Oh, by the way, you sign up by Rad Ortiz. I, I think five to one's a nice price here on Artemis City Limits. Love it. We have agreement on there. We have, so you went three deep here and you also used my second pick. So I'll just go right now to the 12 horse arrest me, Red Wesley Ward, Joel Rosario. Uh, just like with Art Artemis City Limits, scratch off the Breeders' Cup turf sprint. Uh, this is a super consistent, talented turf sprinter. He's over two at Keeneland, which I was like, Ew! but then I looked at why. Well, one of them was a Breeders' Cup. The other time, the only time he's ever tried two turns in his life was at Keeneland. So I'm like, okay, you're over two at Keeneland. That's fine. You were in a couple of harder spots that you weren't suited for. Since Wesley Ward took over training from Arnie Delacour, eight starts, seven if you scratch off the Breeders' Cup. He's got four wins, a second, and two thirds, all turf sprints. This is his game. Uh, this this is his trainer's track. I just hope that we can finally find out if this is a horse that can win at Keeneland. Uh, it was third on my list. It's interesting that Irad got off. This is this was where I thought Irad would be when I originally looked at who drew into this race. It's interesting that Irad ended up on Artemis City Limits and not on Arrest Me Red because he had ridden this horse multiple times for Mr. Ward. And now to flip over and to ride the three, I thought was interesting. 
I'm going to use Caravel too, and we're going to go back and forth on this one. I, look, I'm not using Caravel because of the Breeders' Cup Sprint. I'm using her because of the other races that are on the page. Um, I'm, I, I was back and forth on using Caravel in general because of the price. I think that's my biggest concern here, and I'm guessing that's why you left her off, right? Yeah, I... <sighs> I've said this before against her when we covered her last year. I just don't like her against the males. She's four previous starts versus males. She got third at Woodbine, which meh. She got two sixth and then 12th, which the, admittedly the 12th came in the 21 Breeders' Cup turf sprint before she switched over to Brad Cox. But I'm afraid that now she's eight to five. She's going to get extremely over bet here. Uh, by the way, this is a this is a mare. This is a mare taking on males. It's not a guy in here. Um, I just don't. I, I don't see her getting that same. Too, at this point, too. Yep, that's She's a great carrying point. Generally, when you have a filly against the boys or a mare against the boys, they're carrying like five to seven pounds less. Yeah. Uh, last time, I, if you remember the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint last year, Golden Pal got hung up in the gate and just lost all chance. She inherited the lead because Golden Pal didn't break. I really think that what would have happened if she actually, if Golden Pal had broken cleanly, if you look back three back, uh, it's on the synthetic at Presque Isle, she was kind of forwardly placed and then faded right off. And I think that that's what you would have seen. I don't think she hits the board if she's chasing Golden Pal through 21 flat, 21 and one, hitting the, you know, five furlongs at 55 flat, which is what he liked to do. He ran a lot faster than she uh, ended up completing that Breeders' Cup turf sprint. So uh, for me, that was why I left her off. But if you're going to use her and you're going short here, so that makes sense. It is Brad Cox and it's Tyler Gaffleone, and, and he loves to ride this horse to victory. He's got three wins from uh, five mounts so far. So, well, I, I just spot updated, like the other turf race. I just updated my ticket. I'm not using her. Get her out of here. The eight to five price is what I can't handle. Because I, I, I kind of I agree that eight to five, that may be the highest you see on the board. Because you're going to see a little bit number come. She may end up going off here seven to five, six to five, somewhere in that range. You got the weight. There's not that big of an advantage. First off the layoff. And she's also eight. We talked about this a second ago. Sometimes these mares decide to stop at a certain point. Do you really want to be sitting there at eight to five when she decides to stop? I'm going to switch it off her. and I'm going to go to the five horse. Mr. Mm. Mm. Uh, Wayne Catalano here. Horse switches barns from the Gustafson barn over to the Catalano barn. Runs pretty well twice over at uh, Oakland Park. Then goes to the turf and runs a blazer at fairgrounds going five and a half. And I love the way that Mr. Mmm was able to mm. do it too. Able to sit in third and then pounce on those leaders. Be able to come from just off the pace. Something that not a lot of horses in this race possess. They either need the lead or they're coming from way out of it. This five, Mr. Mmm, may be able to kind of cut the difference there. So I'm going to go with the three, the five, and the 12 here to try and get through. I told Mrs. Maggie beforehand, I was like, if either of us uses this horse, every time Mike says, I'm going, hmm, uh, after you. Um, I ended up leaving this horse off. Uh, I, I considered him for a while. Uh, you make all great points, but a huge step up in competition from Remington Park Allowance and $17,000 optional claimers at fairgrounds. By the way, I haven't seen, we're not that far removed from the fairgrounds meet, so it's a little hard to tell. I don't know how horses are doing leaving fairgrounds from that. I can't even call it that, whatever they call the turf course at fairgrounds there. It was yeah, the, the interesting thing about Mr. Mmm is that Wayne mm. Catalano, 17% in graded stakes with a $3.74 ROI. So, yes, you have a massive jump up in class, but we've talked about this before. I'm going to just keep doing it because it's creepy. Uh, we've, got, we've talked about this before. This is the best type of race to take that big jump up in. Turf sprinting is not a class type thing. It's a who's fastest type thing. 
so you don't need to be able to to kind of go through the ranks and be able to beat these these classy horses that you don't have to have multiple grade one victories to win a grade one it's just straight up who's faster today when you're turf sprinting which kind of peels back some of those class jump onions i think you're going to get a better price on horses because of those class issues when it's not really that relevant this is the easiest spot to be able to jump up in class quickly i also i i did take a little bit of a uh an issue with the fact that he completed it in 58 and two. Uh, but I, then I remembered from watching the replay, they were racing at the outer rail at fairgrounds. So it was a, probably a lot farther. They listed at five furlongs. I think that was closer to a six furlong race than a five uh, because of how far out they were. And it was an impressive effort the way he dominated those horses and should step up here. So uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Everybody's love it. Everybody, but Mark loves the, the Mr. Hey, by the way, uh, it's oh, for this race. Damn it. Mr. Who? I'll, Mr. Mmm. Mr. Mmm. <laughs> I wish we, it, it's probably a good thing that we're not going to be live Saturday uh, when this race goes off. It'd probably be pretty rough. Um, all right. And then uh, the other two that I use here, I'll go quickly. Number nine, Bad Beat Brian at 15 to one. I love that this horse is getting back on turf where he is much better than he is on synthetic. He just was raised on synthetic at Turfway because Brittany Vandenberg was like, well, we can do this. Or we can go to fairgrounds. And she took one look at the fairgrounds surf court and said, we're going to Turfway. I don't care. Uh, horse is in form, which I like. He's been competitive against several of these, including last October in the grade two Woodford over the same course and distance. Missed second by a half length, despite a pretty uneven trip. Race dominated by Golden Pal. Uh, so I'll use him. And then another long shot, I like the number four, Baker's Bay at 10 to one. And, you know, you look at this horse's breeding. You're like, oh, this horse should love going long on the turf. And he did that for a long time. But now he's seven. And, you know, as you get older, Mike, sometimes you just can't run as far as you used to be able to. Sometimes you just, like, we just got to cut it back a little bit. Tommy Drury Jr., excellent horseman, uh, trainer of Legionnaire, who you're using, uh, took a horse who was very, very good on turf, cut him back to sprinting, taught him how to sprint on the synthetic at Turfway Park, and now we're going to bring him back to turf after we got that confidence-boosting win last time out. It is a step back up, but he did knock heads with a lot of the better, you know, long-distance turf horses early in his career, so I don't think he's going to be scared off by that. Uh, and I love the fact that each of those sprint races that he had was a little bit better than the last one, a little bit better than the last one. And you know, he was pretty close to bad beat Brian at the, uh, in the Kentucky Downs optional claimer race last fall. Going six and a half for a long, it's a little longer. But also note, Wesley Ward's star turf sprinter out of door, third in that race, came back and won a Keelan allowance next out. So I'm going to use him. I like the prices I'm getting on these horses as well. But they do need to take a little bit of a step up, and I know that. Yeah, I I, uh, I don't think either is crazy. If you're going for long shots, Rob and uh, and Verdi here both mentioning Oceanic. I think Oceanic's mm-hmm. a very interesting one. We talked about post positions before. Oceanic last time was hung in that 14 of 14 spot in the Breeders' Cup turf sprint. Never really had a prayer. Either of the two races prior to that, good enough to win this. I don't hate Oceanic at 15 to one either. Yeah, the uh, the race the reason I left him out because I was concerned for a while. I actually watched the Woodford and I thought that a lot of that race, why he was able to get up to the last second for uh, for second by a nose over Artemis City Limits, who's both of our top choice here. I thought that there was a lot of there were a lot of horses who were chasing Golden Pal and they just got tired at that 16th pole and Oceanic wasn't even on the screen until those last few steps and he was flying. I don't know that there's quite the pace collapse that will benefit him here and a lot more than uh, the nine horses he was facing there, but. You're another like if you like the horse, you got a good price on him here uh, for Oceanic. All right, Mike, let's move on. The fifth and final leg of the All Stakes Pick Five at Keeneland. Yeah, if I can get it to work on Saturday, April eighth, race nine, the big one, the Grade One Bluegrass Stakes. 
11 three-year-old males routing a mile and eight on the dirt. 100 Kentucky Derby points to the winner. I haven't looked to see who you have, and I'm very scared to tell you who I do because it's almost embarrassing. But go ahead. Who you got on top? Oh, I almost did it too. I think we almost picked Sun Thunder each, uh, but I did not do it. I, I took Tappet Trice on top. Um, the pace of this race is really interesting because there's not like – there's not that crazy early pace that you see. So verifying all of a sudden becomes a little more interesting because he's the one that could probably control it up front if he does. However, mile and eighth at Keeneland is a long mile and an eighth. I, like the mile and 16th, you're going to the short stretch, the short finish line. Mile and eighth, you're going further. Like, obviously, you're going further. But at Keeneland especially, it feels like it's a lot further because of how much longer that stretch ends up being versus that short stretch at a mile and 16th. I think Tapatrice has every chance to be able to do it. And every time I tried to pick against Tapatrice, I went back to that, that maiden score against Justerkin where he was closer to the pace. And that, to me, is going to be mm-hmm. the key here. What type of speed can Tapatrice show from the rail? If he stays within five lengths of verifying, six lengths of verifying, I think he's going to be awfully tough when they're turning for home. So I, I put Tapatrice on top. I'm going to use some horses I really hate in the second and third spots. We'll get into that in a second. Man, like, I think this field is – man, I, I, if, if Tappet tries – I'm thinking about saying something crazy. This might be the worst field of the three preps on Saturday. Might be worse than From the wood. From top to bottom? <laughs> yeah. Might be worse than the wood. Not going to lie. <laughs> I, I don't I don't hate that. I don't hate that opinion. Um, because you could see, you know, we haven't talked about it. I love Hit Show in the wood, and I think that that's a horse that could come out of there and actually be a very uh, good presence for the Kentucky Derby. I used Tappet Trice. I tried to find reasons to play against him. I couldn't find it. Uh, we both agreed on another horse in here, and then you've got your long shot speed horse. Uh, my top pick, I did use Verifying, and damn it, I hate the price. I would love this horse a lot more if it, was, if it wasn't three to one, and Tappet Trice is five to two. You've got Tappet Trice, who's on a three race win streak for Todd Pletcher, won the Tampa Bay Derby, and you got Verifying, who was like, what, 50 cents uh, cheaper, more expensive, whatever it is, the 50 cents better price. and. What can you point to on? I mean, it's it's hard, but he's a son of the 2018 Triple Crown Justify. He's a half brother to Midnight Beast, who was a multiple grade one dirt router. You talked about the speed. I love that he drew post three because I think he's going to be forwardly placed from this inside draw. I think he'll get first run on the nine, Major Blue, who's probably who's projected to be your early leader. Um, he showed in his debut at Saratoga when he won. He can settle on a pressure lead and still finish strong. I'm not a fan of Major Blue in this race, so I'm. I think the verifying will be the one to kind of get first jump on him. It's a matter of you talked about it. That Keeneland stretch is, is very long, and when you're at the Breeders, I remember being at the Breeders' Cup and sitting, standing just past the finish line and watching those horses come off the turn. You're like, okay, here they come. Okay, here they come. Okay, they're almost to the 316th pole. Okay, like it's just it. It almost feels like you're at low south. You're like, come on, keep going, keep going. But um, you're getting a huge jockey upgrade here for verifying. Uh, to, you know, Cox and Tyler Gaffleon, two for four at Keeneland, five for 20 overall with a very strong ROI. Part of that's due to Caravelle winning the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint last year. But I, I went back and watched the Rebel. Really less than ideal trip. Floated everything he could to try and get this horse in some traffic trouble. And you go back to the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, which is over this course in uh, almost the same distance, mile on the 16th. He had a bad break, and he's a horse that does like to be forwardly placed. And when he's not within a couple lengths of the early lead and Rosario didn't try and rush him up, he didn't have any chance to try and even be competitive. He was not beating Forte. He was not beating Cave Rock. I don't know. Maybe he challenges National Treasure for third. Maybe he's, you know, a nose or neck behind him in fourth. But I think this is a horse that still has plenty of upside. It's his third start off the layoff, third start at age three. I just, I, 
Oof, I wish I was getting better than three to one on him here. And I understand that that scares anybody off. He should not be three to one unless it's a field like this, which you said might be the worst of the three. Yeah, no, he shouldn't be three to one. That's why I can't put him on my ticket. I, let's just let's just do a thought experiment. Ooh, okay. Cross out the mile at Oakland. Okay. What are his odds? Ooh. Well, in this field, not much, but maybe he's six to one. Like maybe Blazing Sevens takes a little bit more money. So I, 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 I would feel like be 10 to one. Like if you take that out, his career high buyer is an 86. It was in the Champagne when he ran second in a mile race and kind of quit off of it. The, the 97 buyer two back is wildly inflated. And after what we've seen from Gun Pilot and Two Eagles River, I think we can, we can confidently say that race was not as good as everyone <laughs> thought that race was. After that race was run, run, and we talked about it on this show that that race was not as good as everyone thought it was. I'm gonna come right back to that thought and say <laughs> that race was not as good as everyone thought it was. And Gunpilot has not progressed the way we expected, well, the way other people expected, not we expected. Uh, <laughs> Two Eagles River has not progressed the way other people has expected. Verifying regressed off that race. Uh, just I to me, verifying can beat me all day, every day at three to one in this spot. It's a ridiculously low price. I will say, uh, to Aaron Halterman's credit, he did the preview for us at racingnews.com. He said, you made a good point. Brad Cox usually brings his best three-year-old to this race. It's a million-dollar purse. It's now a grade one. Uh, it took essential quality winning it two years ago to get it to change from a grade two to a grade one. But he usually brings his best three-year-olds to Keeneland for this meet because there's so much money to be made. If verifying is his best three-year-old, though, Boy, doesn't that just stamp home hard that Brad Cox had a bunch of okay, the good three-year-olds, and none of them were great. Uh, no offense to verifying that. All right, Mike, the chat seems to have guessed who were uh, who were the other horses that we agree on in here. Talk to me about Sun Thunder. Give me that McPeak, baby. Yeah. God, I hate myself sometimes. Uh, look, Sun Thunder makes sense here. This is a situation where I think last time, and this is this is kind of weird to say, I thought his Louisiana Derby was more impressive than his Risen Star. Uh, I feel like the, the the Risen Star set up for him to be able to come from off the pace, make a move. He had some trouble in the Louisiana Derby, and then it was able to close off of that trouble into a ridiculously slow pace. I, I thought that was a little bit better race than it looks on paper. I thought it, but I think Sun Thunder fits in this with the rest of this field. So I'm going to use the one in the seven as my two must-use horses. And then I'm going to use a horse that I've hated since this horse won for me. And that's the eight Blazing Sevens <laughs> for Chad Brown and Irad Ortiz. Look, this horse isn't as bad as the Fountain of Youth effort, right? I'd say we're more in that Breeders' Cup juvenile-type effort. If we repeat back to that over a course you've run well on, that's good enough to win this field, to beat this field if Tapa Trice doesn't fire. Again, like this is just – you got horses like Ray's Kane, who I get won the Gotham, but, man, that was a collapsed city, right? You've got, like, Scooby Quando, who ran second, to congruent. But, yeah, really? We're going to then bet that horse back here at Keeneland? Like – there's just not that much in this race. And so if yeah. I'm going to take a stand against verifying, which, by the way, I am, then I'm left with three horses that I think are logical win horses, and that's Tappet Trice, Sun Thunder, and Blazing Sevens. And I've talked shit on this show about Blazing Sevens and Sun Thunder. <laughs> Sun Thunder. So that's where we are with this race in my mind. Yeah, yeah, and Kevin O brings up a good point. A second star is a three-year-old. Adding the blinkers, I think, could help. Uh, Irad jumping aboard is it really catches the eye there. Uh, I didn't use, um, but oh, shit, good point from Nick. Yeah, his his uh, Blazing Sevens uh, sire, Good Magic, was also with Chad Brown. Same exact path. Lost the Fountain of Youth. Although, 
he looked a lot good magic looked a lot better in the fountain of youth and he just lost to a gate to wire roman's horse that, that popped a huge one uh i don't know what went wrong with blazing sevens other than everything in the fountain of youth but he went from that uh good magic went and won the bluegrass stakes you could see blazing sevens do the same thing here i misread your ticket i thought that you'd actually used major blue and i was like i cannot wait to hear you make a case for the coach d wayne lucas to win this race with major yeah. blue but uh, i'm glad that cooler heads are prevailing here <laughs> No, instead I'm going to use a donkey that I've talked shit about for seven months in Blazing Sevens. Uh, I did use Sun Thunder as well. Uh, this is a horse that, that I have liked for a very long time since he broke his, uh, actually since his debut. Third, uh, determinedly, neck behind next out winner, Shopper's Revenge. Two Derby Trail losses. We haven't talked, I don't think he mentioned this. Both the horses were gate to wire winners. Kings Barnes, easy, slow pace, gate to wire. Can't close into it to catch the winner. Arabian Knight. You know, nobody was catching Arabian Night that day. So you've either got a top five derby prospect in Kings Barnes or one that would be if he wasn't hurt in Arabian Night that have caused reasons for him to just not be close. You scratch those off. Sun Thunder fits really, really well. And boy, this is the time that you want to play a McPeak is when he's 10 to 1. Um, are you concerned at all that he doesn't have Brian Hernandez Jr. riding? Uh, Hernandez is actually going to be on the 12th or sorry, 11 horse Mendelssohn's March. And usually that's McPeak's better jockey that he goes with. <laughs> uh no not really i mean i i looked at the 11 i think the 11's a little interesting but i i i i just kind of like the form of the seven more i no, the jockey the jockey option doesn't concern me there's a short answer to that it's kind of interesting that hernandez did ride him the last two times and switches off switches off of him for a horse that he did not ride last time out in Mendelssohn's mm -hmm. march um but no, yeah, I, I think the seven's total body of work is more impressive than the 11. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining us to go through Keeneland's All Stakes Pick 5 on Saturday, April 8th. Remember, that's races 5 through 9, all graded stakes. Lots of fun action here. We'll go ahead and give out our tickets down below. I'll start off. I have two tickets, my 50 center. I'm singling the two and then going 2, 3, 4, 9, 2, 4, 3, 4, 9, 12, 1, 3, 7. That's $48. For a $5 ticket, pressing the opinions two with the three nine, single the two, single the three, single the three, just another $10 there. Go ahead and give us your 50 cent ticket. I'm going to go with two five seven nine with seven nine with two five. That's interesting. With three <laughs> five twelve with one seven eight, that'll cost you 72 bucks for 50 cents. Remember, the Bluegrass Stakes betting Bible will be available soon at RacingDudes.com. If you have a, uh, a premium subscription to any of our products, including the Salmo Bombs, you get these included for free. We've got it up here on the homepage. We also, Aaron and Jared have been doing this great thing. They have a video explaining what is inside, why you should buy this, what's different about it from previous wagering guides. So if you're interested, if you're curious, go take a look. The video explains it all in great detail. It's only about five minutes long. Or actually, I think if you stay tuned to this on YouTube, if you're watching us live, I should just kick you right back over to that video and you can watch it right there. Uh, big weekend. We've got the Bluegrass Stakes. We've got the Wood Memorial. Our boy Arctic Arrogance blinkers off. The game is on for Linda Rice, I hope. I hope. And then the Santa Anita Derby. Uh, real quick, who is your win pick for both the Wood and the Santa Anita Derby? Uh, Wood, I picked Hit Show. Uh, not super confident, but I picked Hit Show. Uh, and the Santa Anita Derby, I picked Go Rocket Ride. I actually think Go Rocket Ride is going to look phenomenal it looks significantly better this time than he did last time and i was anti go rocket ride last time uh, i'm with you on both of those yeah hit show and go rocket ride and one thing that stuck out to me is that flavian pratt left santa anita for the caneland meet like he's done the last couple of years he's going back to santa anita specifically for saturday it's got to be for go rocket ride i don't think it's for phaza 
because she can't go to the Kentucky Oaks, even if she wins the Sandy the Oaks. I think it was for Go Rocket Ride. And, and I, I, I don't like to say that because it's Jared's horse in fantasy, but I think is a very strong horse. I had a lot of interest in the DeSormo horse, Dazzle Me Silver, who's a maiden, but or maiden, maiden, uh, horse is a huge odds. I think that that horse with Kent DeSormo riding for his brother Keith, they can team up and, and really cause some noise. So if you want a long shot to use with maybe Go Rocket Ride and Practical Move, that's where I went. I don't have a ton of faith in Skinner. I think he just logs along and keeps coming up there. Uh, but you could also say the same thing for Kruppi in the Wood Memorial. Todd Fletcher famously won with Bourbonic a couple of years ago at 86 to 1 as, as a maiden. So you can see what's going on with that one. Uh, it is Todd Pletcher. He loves to win the Wood Memorial. Anything else that we want to cover? I know it's uh, you got a big weekend, not just uh, professionally, but also personally. I'm interested to see what this horse goes off at, Mandarin Hero in the San Diego Derby. I, I'm interested to see how the Japanese money, uh, and I don't mean that from people from Japan betting the horse, from people <laughs> in the U.S. to sign how big of a bandwagon they want to get on these Japanese horses is going to be, 8-1 to one in the morning line. be interested to see where that horse goes off at. Yeah, I didn't have – I mean, I'm curious to see what happens from a betting perspective. I didn't have any interest in this horse. Uh, from what I understand – uh, the circuit he was riding on in Japan wasn't the top circuit. Like we, we were Derma Sotagake and Continuar Perrier, where they were all running. But this is a horse that won his first four career starts and then was second by a neck going a mile and an eighth in Japan. His first start is a three-year-old. He's got some American breeding. He's by Shanghai Bobby. But that also, to me, screams two-year-old and sprinting. So I'm not so sure about that one. But hey, if you like the Japanese, you're getting two-for-one special because Kazushi Kamura is going to be riding. Uh, the local rider Kamura going to be riding Mandarin Hero as well. So... Uh, you got to think of it. What odds do you think he goes off at? Is they're, they're guessing here, 92, 5 to 1? I, I think it's going to be higher than that. I, I would expect around 8 to 1, 7 to 1, somewhere in that range. I actually think the morning line is pretty good. If it's 9 to 2, 7, 5 to 1, then whoa. I mean, Dermot Sotogate is going to go off at like 5 to 1, 6 to 1, your second or third choice in the Derby. Yeah, especially if uh, if Tappet Trice doesn't win this race, which it could happen. He loves to come from behind, and I boy, you better hope that if you like Tappet Trice a, a lot, you've got to hope that Luis Saez's arms are still feeling great going into that race because that's going to be a, that's nine furlongs of just come oh, on, go, 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 <laughs> <laughs> trying to get him home. Uh, any chance go Rocket Ride's favorite over Practical Move in the San Diego Derby? Uh, no, I think practical move is deserving to be the favorite. And I think that anytime it gets close, I think practical move will take money. I would expect it's going to be closer than what the morning line made it though. I think it was eight to five, three to one. I think it's gonna be like two to one, five to two, somewhere in that range. Hijaz, your Krona bolt in the, uh, whatever this, the Lafayette stakes at Keeneland uh, on Friday. Hijazi, I like the two horse in there as well. Who's eight to one on the morning line. And uh, speaking of Friday, Keeneland, uh, I will—I don't know who's able to join me. We'll find out. Maybe, maybe just be me. We'll see. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of a live show Friday covering the last few the stakes races uh, at Keeneland for their opening day. So please tune in. We've got the Ashland Stakes, which is the, the main event there. And if you want to preview for it, Dr. Miranda it, uh, did one for us. It's at YouTube.com slash Racing Dudes and RacingDudes.com. She's been red hot with her Oaks picks lately. Go find out who she picked in that race. You've got Julia Shining and Wonder Wheel uh, both returning. And also on Friday and every Wednesday through Sunday, we have Dudes Who Bet Daily at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, Masters Talk, NBA Talk, uh, Controversy in Sports that really shouldn't be Controversy Talk. We've got it all right there for you. Uh, so make sure you join us. Follow us on Twitter. I am at Curtis Kellard. He is at Summer Bomb 18, number one, number eight. Corporate Overlords at Racing underscore Dudes. Check out Blinkers Off if you haven't yet. It'll be, it is, at, uh, they were live earlier today. So you can go uh, download that and take a listen. They give all their picks for the Derby and Oaks preps. But until next time, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Good luck this week, everybody.
the Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com.